Book twenty three, part one of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. Argument Funeral Games in Honor of Patroclus. Achilles and the Myrmidons do honor to the body of Patroclus. After the funeral feast, he retires to the seashore, where, falling asleep, the ghost of his friend appears to him, and demands the rites of burial. The next morning, the soldiers are sent with mules and wagons to fetch wood for the pyre. The funeral procession and the offering their hair to the dead. Achilles sacrifices several animals, and lastly twelve Trojan captives at the pile, then sets fire to it. He pays libations to the winds, which, at the instance of Iris, rise and raise the flame. When the pile has burned all night, they gather the bones place them in an urn of gold, and raise the tomb. Achilles institutes the funeral games, the chariot race, the fights of the cestus, the wrestling, the foot race, the single combat, the discus, the shooting with arrows, the darting the javelin, the various descriptions of which, and the various success of the several antagonists, make the greatest part of the book. In this book ends the thirtieth day. The night following, the ghost of Patroclus appears to Achilles. The one and thirtieth day is employed in felling the timber for the pile, the two and thirtieth in burning it, and the three and thirtieth in the games. The scene is generally on the seashore. Thus they, throughout the city, made their moan. But when the Greeks had come where lay their ships by the broad Hellespont, their several ways they each pursued, dispersing. Yet not so Achilles let his Myrmidons disperse, but thus his warlike comrades he addressed. My faithful comrades, valiant Myrmidons, Loose we not yet our horses from the cars, but for Patroclus mourn, approaching near with horse and car, such tribute claim the dead, then free indulgence to our sorrows given, loose we the steeds and share the evening meal. He said, and they with mingled voices raised the solemn dirge. Achilles led the strain. Thrice round the dead they drove their sleek-skinned steeds. Morning, with hearts by Thetis grief-inspired, with tears the sands, with tears the warriors' arms were wet, so mighty was the chief they mourned 
then on his comrade's breast achilles laid his blood-stained hands and thus began the wail all hail patroclus though in pluto's realm all that i promised lo i now perform that on the corpse of hector hither dragged our dogs should feed and that twelve noble youths the sons of troy before thy funeral pyre my hand in vengeance for thy death should slay he said and foully hector's corpse misused flung prostrate in the dust beside the couch where lay menoetius's son his comrades then their glittering armor doffed of polished brass and loosed their neighing steeds then round the ship of peleus's son in countless numbers sat while he the abundant funeral feast dispensed there many a steer lay stretched beneath the knife and many a sheep and many a bleating goat and many a white-tusked porker rich in fat there lay extended singeing o'er the fire and blood in torrents flowed round the corpse to agamemnon then the kings of greece the royal son of peleus swift of foot conducted yet with him they scarce prevailed so fierce his anger for his comrade's death but when to agamemnon's tent they came he to the clear-voiced heralds gave command an ample tripod on the fire to place if haply peleus's son he might persuade to wash away the bloody stains of war but sternly he and with an oath refused no by great jove i swear of all the gods highest and mightiest water shall not touch this head of mine till on the funeral pyre i see the body of patroclus laid and build his tomb and cut my votive hair for while i live and move mid mortal men no second grief like this can pierce my soul observe we now the mournful funeral feast but thou great agamemnon king of men send forth at early dawn and to the camp bring store of fuel and all else prepare that with provision meet the dead may pass down to the realms of night so shall the fire from out our sight consume our mighty dead and to their wonted tasks the troops return he said they listened and his words obeyed then busily the evening meal prepared 
and shared the social feast, nor lacked thereat. The rage of thirst and hunger satisfied, each to their several tents the rest repaired. But on the many dashing ocean's shore, Pelides lay amid his myrmidons with bitter groans. In a clear space he lay, where broke the waves, continuous on the beach. There, circumfused around him, gentle sleep, lulling the sorrows of his heart to rest, o'ercame his senses, for the hot pursuit of Hector round the breezy heights of Troy his active limbs had wearied. As he slept, sudden appeared Patroclus's mournful shade, his very self, his height, and beauteous eyes, and voice, the very garb he wont to wear. Above his head it stood, and thus it spoke. Sleep'st thou, Achilles, mindless of thy friend, neglecting not the living, but the dead? Hasten my funeral rites, that I may pass through Hades' gloomy gates. Ere those be done, the spirits and spectres of departed men drive me far from them nor allow to cross the abhorred river. But forlorn and sad, I wander through the widespread realms of night. And give me now thy hand, whereon to weep, for never more, when laid upon the pyre, shall I return from Hades, never more. Apart from all our comrades, shall we too, as friends, sweet counsel take. For me, stern death, the common lot of man, has oped his mouth. Thou too, Achilles, rival of the gods, art destined here beneath the walls of Troy to meet thy doom. Yet one thing must I add, and make, if thou wilt grant it, one request. Let not my bones be laid apart from thine, Achilles. But together, as our youth was spent together in thy father's house, since first my sire, Anetius, me, a boy, from Opus brought, a luckless homicide, who of Amphidamus, by evil chance, had slain the son, disputing o'er the dice. Me, noble Peleus, in his house received, and kindly nursed, and thine attendant named. So, in one urn be now our bones enclosed, the golden vase, thy goddess-mother's gift. Whom answered thus Achilles, swift of foot? Why art thou here, loved being? 
why on me these several charges lay whate'er thou bidst will i perform and all thy mind fulfil but draw thou near and in one short embrace let us while yet we may our grief indulge thus as he spoke he spread his longing arms but not he clasped and with a wailing cry vanished like smoke the spirit beneath the earth up sprang achilles all amazed and smote his hands together and lamenting cried o heaven there are then in the realms below spirits and spectres unsubstantial all for through the night patroclus's shade hath stood weeping and wailing at my side and told his bidding the image of himself it seemed he said his words the general grief aroused to them as round the piteous dead they mourned appeared the rosy-fingered morn and straight from all the camp by agamemnon sent went forth in search of fuel men and mules led by a valiant chief meriones the follower of renowned idomeneus their felling axes in their hands they bore and twisted ropes their mules before them driven now up now down now sideways now a slope they journeyed on but when they reached the foot of spring abounding ida they began with axes keen to hew the lofty oaks they loudly crashing fell the wood they clove and bound it to the mules these took their way through the thick brushwood hurrying to the plain the axemen too so bade meriones the follower of renowned idomeneus were laden all with logs which on the beach they laid in order where a lofty mound in memory of patroclus and himself achilles had designed when all the store of wood was duly laid the rest remained in masses seated but achilles bade the warlike myrmidons their armour don and harness each his horses to his car they rose and donned their arms and on the cars warriors and charioteers their places took first came the horse and then a cloud of foot unnumbered in the midst patroclus came borne by his comrades all the corpse with hair they covered o'er which from their heads they shore behind achilles held his head and mourned the noble friend whom to the tomb he bore then 
on the spot by Peleus' son assigned, they laid him down, and piled the wood on high. Then a fresh thought Achilles' mind conceived. Standing apart, the yellow locks he shore, which, as an offering to Spurcius's stream, he nursed in rich profusion. Sorrowing, then, looked o'er the dark blue sea, as thus he spoke. Spurcius, all in vain to thee his prayer, my father Peleus made, and vowed that I, returned in safety to my native land, to thee should dedicate my hair, and pay a solemn hecatomb with sacrifice of fifty rams unblemished to the springs whereon thy consecrated soil is placed thine incense-honoured altar so he vowed but thou the boon withholdst since i no more my native land may see the hair he vowed to brave patroclus thus i dedicate he said, and on his comrade's hand he laid the locks. His act the general grief aroused. And now the setting sun had found them still indulging, and now the setting sun had found them still indulging o'er the dead. But Peleus' son approaching thus to Agamemnon spoke. Atrides, for to thee the people pay readiest obedience. Mourning too prolonged may weary. Thou then from the pyre the rest disperse, and bid prepare the morning meal. Ours be the farther charge, to whom the dead was chiefly dear. Yet let the chiefs remain. The monarch Agamemnon heard, and straight dispersed the crowd amid their several ships. The appointed band remained, and piled the wood. A hundred feet each way they built the pyre, and on the summit, sorrowing, laid the dead. Then many a sheep and many a slow-paced ox they flayed and dressed around the funeral pyre. Of all the beasts Achilles took the fat, and covered o'er the corpse from head to foot, then heaped the slaughtered carcasses around, then jars of honey placed, and fragrant oils resting upon the couch. Next, Groaning loud, four powerful horses on the pyre he threw. Then, of nine dogs that at their master's board had fled, he slaughtered two upon his pyre. Last, with the sword, by evil counsel swayed, twelve noble youths he slew, the sons of Troy, the fire's devouring might he then applied, and, groaning, 
on his loved companion called all hail patroclus though in pluto's realm all that i promised lo i now perform on twelve brave sons of trojan sires with thee the flames shall feed but hector priam's son not to the fire but to the dogs i give such was achilles's threat but him the dogs molested not for venus night and day daughter of jove the ravening dogs restrained and all the corpse o'erlaid with roseate oil ambrosial that though dragged along the earth the noble dead might not receive a wound apollo too a cloudy veil from heaven spread o'er the plain and covered all the space where lay the dead nor let the blazing sun the flesh upon his limbs and muscles parch yet burnt not up patroclus's funeral pyre then a fresh thought achilles's mind conceived standing apart on both the winds he called boreas and zephyrus and added vows of costly sacrifice and pouring forth libations from a golden goblet prayed their presence that the wood might haste to burn and with the fire consume the dead his prayer swift iris heard and bore it to the winds they in the hall of gusty zephyrus were gathered round the feast in haste appearing swift iris on the stony threshold stood they saw and rising all besought her each to sit beside him she with their requests refused compliance and addressed them thus no seat for me for i o'er the ocean stream from hence am bound to ethiopia's shore to share the sacred feast and hecatombs which there they offered to the immortal gods but boreas thee and loud-voiced zephyrus with vows of sacrifice achilles calls to fan the funeral pyre whereon is laid patroclus mourned by all the host of greece she said and vanished they with rushing sound rose and before them drove the hurrying clouds soon o'er the sea they swept the stirring breeze ruffled the waves the fertile shores of troy they reached and falling on the funeral pyre loud roared the crackling flames they all night long with current brisk together fanned the fire all night achilles from a golden bowl drew forth and in his hand a double cup the wine outpouring 
moistened all the earth, still calling on his lost Patroclus's shade. As mourns a father o'er a youthful son, whose early death hath wrung his parents' hearts, so mourned Achilles over his friend's remains, prostrate beside the pyre, and groaned aloud. But when the star of Lucifer appeared, the harbinger of light, from whom following close spreads o'er the sea the saffron-robed morn, then paled the smouldering fire, and sank the flame, and o'er the Thracian sea that groaned and heaved beneath their passage, home the winds returned, and, weary, from the fire a space withdrawn, Achilles lay, o'ercome by gentle sleep. Anon, awakened by the tramp and din of crowds that followed Atreus's royal son, he sat upright, and thus addressed his speech. Thou son of Atreus, and ye chiefs of Greece, far as the flames extended, quench we first with ruddy wine the embers of the pyre. And of Menetius's son, Patroclus, next, with care distinguishing, collect the bones, nor are they hard to know, for in the midst he lay, while round the edges of the pyre horses and men commixed, the rest were burnt. Let these, between a double layer of fat enclosed, and in a golden urn remain, till I myself shall in the tomb be laid, and o'er them build a mound, not over-large, but of proportions meet. In days to come, ye Greeks, who after me shall here remain, complete the work, and build it broad and high. Thus spoke Achilles. They his words obeyed. Far as the flames had reached, and thickly strown the embers lay, they quenched with ruddy wine. Then tearfully their gentle comrades' bones collected, and with double layers of fat enclosed, and in a golden urn encased. Then in the tent they laid them, overspread with veil of linen fair. Then, meeting out the allotted space, the deep foundations laid around the pyre, and o'er them heaped the earth. Their task accomplished, all had now withdrawn. But Peleus's son, the vast assembly, stayed, and bade them sit. Then, prizes of the games, tripods and cauldrons, from the tents he brought, and noble steeds, and mules, and sturdy steers, and women, fair of form, and iron whore. First, for the contest of the flying cars, the prizes 
he displayed a woman fair where well skilled in household cares a tripod vast two-handled two and twenty measures round these both were for the victor for the next a mare unbroken six years old in fall of a mule colt the third a cauldron bright capacious of four measures white and pure by fire as yet untarnished for the fourth of gold two talents for the fifth a vase with double cup untouched by fire he gave then standing up he thus addressed the greeks thou son of atreus and ye well-grieved greeks before ye are the prizes which await the contest of the cars but if ye greeks for any other cause these games were held i to my tent should bear the foremost prize for well ye know how far my steeds excel steeds of immortal race which neptune gave to peleus he to me his son transferred but from the present strife we stand aloof my horses and myself they now have lost the daring courage and the gentle hand of him who drove them and with water pure washed oft their manes and bathed with fragrant oil for him they stand and mourn with drooping heads down to the ground their hearts with sorrow filled but ye in order range yourselves who boast your well-built chariots and your horses speed he said up sprang the eager charioteers the first of all eumelus king of men son of admetus matchless charioteer next tydeus's son the valiant diomed with trojan horses from aeneas won when by apollo's aid himself escaped then heaven-born menelaus atreus's son two flying coursers harnessed to his car his own podargus had for yoke-fellow ethe a mare by agamemnon lent her acapolis to atrides gave anchises's son that to the wars of troy he might not be compelled but safe at home enjoy his ease for jove had blessed his store with ample wealth in sicyon's wide domain her now he yoked impatient for the course the fourth antilochus the gallant son of nestor son of neleus mighty chief harnessed his sleek skinned steeds of pylian race were they who bore his car to him his sire sage counsel poured in understanding ears antilochus though young in years thou art yet jove and neptune love thee 
and have well instructed thee in horsemanship of me thou needst no counsel skilled around the goal to whirl the chariot but thou hast of all the slowest horses whence i augur ill but though their horses have the speed of thine in skill not one of them surpasses thee then thou dear boy exert thine every art that so thou mayest not to fail to gain a prize by skill far more than strength the woodman fells the sturdy oak by skill the steersman guides his flying ship across the dark blue sea though shattered by the blast twixt charioteer and charioteer tis skill that draws the line one vainly trusting to his courser's speed drives reckless here and there o'er all the course his horses unrestrained at random run another with inferior horses far but better skilled still fixing on the goal his eye turns closely round nor overlooks the moment when to draw the rein but holds his steady course and on the leader waits a mark i give thee now thou canst not miss there stands a withered trunk some six feet high of oak or pine unrotted by the rain on either side have two white stones been placed where meet two roads and all around there lies a smooth and level course here stood perchance the tomb of one who died long years ago or former generations here have placed as now achilles hath decreed a goal there drive as only not to graze the post and leaning o'er the wicker body leave close on the left the stones thine off-side horse then urge with voice and whip and slack his rein and let the near-side horse so closely graze as that thy knave may seem to touch the goal but yet beware lest striking on the stone thy steeds thou injure and thy chariot break a source of triumph to thy rivals all of shame to thee but thou sage caution use for following if thou make the turn the first not one of all shall pass thee or o'ertake not though arion's self were in the car adrastus's flying steed of heavenly race nor those which here laomedon possessed this said and to his son his counsels given the aged nestor to his seat withdrew fifth in the lists meriones appeared they mounted on their cars and cast their lots 
Achilles shook the helmet. First leaped forth the lot of Nestor's son, Antilochus. Next came the king Eumelus, after whom the valiant Menelaus, Atreus's son. The fourth Meriones, and last of all, but ablest far, Tydides drew his place. They stood in line. Achilles pointed out, here on the level plain, the distant goal, and there, in charge, the godlike phoenix placed, his father's ancient follower, to observe the course assigned, and true report to make. Then all at once their whips they raised, and urged by rein and hand and voice their eager steeds. They from the ships pursued their rapid course athwart the distant plain. Beneath their chests rose, like a cloud or hurricane, the dust. Loose floated on the breeze their ample manes. The cars now skimmed along the fertile ground, now bounded high in air. The charioteers stood up aloft, and every bosom beat with hope of victory, each with eager shout cheering his steeds that scoured the dusty plain. But when the farthest limits of the course attained, they, turned beside the hoary sea, strained to their utmost speed were plainly seen the qualities of each then in the front appeared eumelus's flying mares and next the trojan horses of tydides came nor these were far behind but following close they seemed in act to leap upon the car eumelus on his neck and shoulders broad felt their warm breath for o'er him as they flew their heads were downward bent and now perchance had he or passed or made an even race but that incensed with valiant diomed apollo wrested from his hands the whip then tears of anger from his eyelids fell as gaining more and more the mares he saw, while, urged no more, his horses slacked their speed. But Pallas marked Apollo's treacherous wile, and, hasting to the chief, restored his whip, and to his horses strength and courage gave. The goddess then, Admetus's son, pursued, and snapped his chariot yoke the mares released swerved from the track the pole upon the ground lay loosened from the car and he himself beside the wheel was from the chariot hurled from elbows mouth and nose the skin was torn his forehead crushed and battered in his eyes were filled with tears and mute his cheerful voice tydides turned aside and far ahead of all the rest passed on for pallas gave his horses courage 
and his triumph willed. Next him the fair-haired Menelaus came, the son of Atreus. But Antilochus thus to his father's horses called aloud, Forward, and stretch ye to your utmost speed. I ask you not with those of Diomed, in vain to strive, whom Pallas hath endued with added swiftness, and his triumph willed. But haste ye, and o'ertake Atrides's car, nor be by Ethe, by a mare, disgraced. Why, my brave horses, why be left behind? This too I warn ye, and will make it good. No more at Nestor's hand shall ye receive your provender, but with the sword be slain, if by your faults a lower prize be ours. Then rouse ye now, and put forth all your speed, and I will so contrive as not to fail of slipping past them in the narrow way. He said, the horses, of his voice in awe, put forth their powers a while. Before them soon Antilochus the narrow pass espied. It was a gully where the winter's rain had lain collected, and had broken through a length of road, and hollowed out the ground. There Menelaus held his cautious course, fearing collision. But Antilochus, drawing his steeds a little from the track, bore down upon him sideways. Then, in fear, the son of Atreus to Antilochus shouted aloud, Antilochus, thou drivest like one insane. Hold in a while thy steeds. Here is no space where wider grows the road. There thou mayst pass, but here... Thou wilt but cause our cars to clash, and bring us both to harm. He said, but madlier drove Antilochus, plying the goad, as though he heard him not. Far as a discus's flight by some stout youth that tests his vigour, from the shoulder hurled, so far they ran together, side by side. Then dropped Atrides's horses to the rear, for he himself forbore to urge their speed, lest meeting in the narrow pass the cars should be o'erthrown, and they themselves, in haste to gain the victory, in the dust be rolled. Then thus reproachful to Antilochus, Antilochus, Thou most perverse of men, beshrew thy heart. We Greeks are much deceived who gave thee fame for wisdom. Yet e'en now thou shalt not gain, but on thine oath, the prize. He said, and to his horses called aloud, Slack not your speed nor as defeated mourn their legs and feet will sooner tire than yours 
for both are past the vigour of their youth. Thus he, the horses of his voice in awe, put forth their powers, and soon the leaders neared. End of Book 23, Part 1